All my life, been grinding all my life Sacrifice, hustle paid the price Want a slice, got the roll of dice That's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life It's time to grind! Hello everyone and welcome to the Grounded Podcast. I'm your host Randall Tucker. That was Nipsey Hussle bringing us in with his song Grinding All My Life. Let's hit that rail we call life and let's grind it. Before we get back in uh, John chapter 2 and finishing up the chapter, I just want to remind everybody that this of this uh, exciting announcement that I'm going to be recording people over the next several weeks and playing them on the podcast and it's going to be uh, people, interviews with people who have been through life's challenges, they've been through the storms, and they come out on the other side, and, and, and what I want to do with those interviews is hear their stories, and hear the storms that they face, and, and how they came through that storm, and, 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 and how their faith uh, helped them to keep grinding it, and how they endure these storms, and and, and I pray that, that we all could take encouragement from them because that's that's our goal here with Grind It is to uh, encourage you, to motivate you, to not give up, but to, to keep going. And so be sure to tune, tune in, look for those podcasts uh, with those interviews and tune into those. And God bless you for listening to Grind It and, and thank you for your time. So let's jump back in uh, and finish up John chapter 2. Uh, because Jesus is going to show a little bit of attitude here in John chapter 2, verses 13 through, 13 through 20. Uh, he enters Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, and he comes to the temple, and as he arrives, he noticed people selling all these animals for sacrifices, and, and so he goes in and he starts throwing their stuff around, and he makes a whip, and man, he just, I mean, he's cleaning house. Now, can you imagine the look on these people's faces? Uh, who's this guy? Who does he think he is? And who are you? Who, who, who are you, dude? If God gave you the authority to do this, then show us a sign. How many times have people said that statement? How many times have you said that statement? God, if you want me to do this, or God, if you want me to do that, or God, if you're real, then show me a sign. Well, Bill Ingvall's got all kinds of stuff by showing you a sign, and it's pretty funny. Uh, God's not going to do that. Uh, we have all that we need. He's given us all that we need. In Judges chapter 6, we have this story uh, of a man named Gideon. It's a cool story. Gideon was a small man, much like myself. I'm 5'7". I'm pretty small. Uh, he, he would uh, Today, we would call Gideon a wimp. Uh, God had used the Midianites to punish his people Israel, and, and now God is going to use uh, Gideon to deliver Israel from the hand of the Midianites. And so listen to this discussion between God and Gideon. It's found in Judges 6, and I'm just going to uh, pick some verses to read. This, this is in particular is 11 through 24, but you need to read the whole chapter to get the, the full gist of the story. It says, The angel of the Lord came, and he sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the clan of Abizar. And Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. <laughs> Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are the miracles our ancestors told, you, uh, uh, told us about? Didn't they say the Lord has brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the, the Midianites. 
it, it, it's, this, it's a very similar situation with, with these people at the temple and Jesus. You know, if God's with us, and if you're God, then show us a sign. If you think you're all that, show us a sign. And this is why Gideon is telling this angel, but he doesn't realize he's talking to an angel. And he says, if God's with us, why is all this happening to us? You know, show us a sign. Then the Lord, verse 14, turned to him and said, this is an angel, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. Am I sending you? But the Lord, but Lord Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. I'm a, basically a runt, is what he's saying. I, I'm weak. I'm not strong. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. And Gideon replied, If you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you, he answered. I will stay, uh, I will stay here until you return, the angel says. So Gideon hurries home, and he cooks a young goat, and with a basket of flour he bakes some bread without yeast. And then carrying the meat in, in a basket and a broth in a pot, he brought them out and he presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. And the angel of God said to him, Place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. So he's going to wet down the sacrifice. And, the Gideon, and Gideon did as he was told. Uh, do what he says. Remember what Mary said earlier about Jesus? Just do what he says. So the angel gives him some directions. He does what the angel says. And then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the bread with the tip of his staff in his hand. And a fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. And when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, O sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. It is all right, the Lord replied. Don't be afraid. You will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there, and he named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. And the altar remains in Ophir in the land of the clan of Azabur to this day. Talk about when it was written. You would think seeing an angel face to face and talking to God himself would be enough to convince Gideon that God has chosen him to deliver the people from Israel. Uh, to d deliver the people from the Midianites. But nope, it wasn't. The army started to rally together and they were going to fight against Israel. And Gideon gets nervous and he starts to question God. And this is what he says in Judges 6, 36-40. It says, And Gideon said to God, If you're truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me this way. Say, show me a sign. I will put a wolf fleece in the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you are going to help me rescue Israel as you promised. He had just talked to an, an angel face to face. And the angel burned up that sacrifice till it was completely gone. And now he's having a conversation with God. If, if, you, if you're really going to use me, then show me this sign. If the fleece is wet, the ground's dry, I'll know that you're going to help me. You're going to rescue Israel as you promised. And that's just what happened. The Bible says when Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out a whole bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece for one more test. This time let the fleece remain dry while the ground around it is wet with dew. So that night God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. 
Just like Gideon, just like these religious leaders in Jesus' day, we want a sign. Look, here's the deal. God has given us His Word, which is better than any sign. He has given us His very best. He has given us His Son, Jesus, who is better than any miracle. Just listen to Him and be obedient. Quit doubting. Quit asking for signs. Listen to what He says. His promises are yes and amen. And be obedient. Hebrews 1, 1 through 1-3 says, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, and at many times and in various ways. But in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom he, also He made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful word. And after He provided purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. We have all we need because we have Jesus, God in the flesh. And Jesus revealed God to us. And now He speaks to us through His infallible Word. We just have to be obedient and trust Him. So, there are two there are at least two issues going on here with Jesus showing some attitude when he's entering the temple area and he's overturning the, the, the tables and he's got these whips and, and he's taking care of business. The first thing is this. People selling animals for money. They had turned the temple, which is a place of worship, into a money-making market they like many people loved money and they wanted all they could get now do you think they cared anything about the people who was buying the sacrifices i highly doubt it but they were making a lot of money and that's all they were concerned with money 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 we see it today nothing's changed there's a reason why the bible says the love of money is the root of all evil Money's the driving force behind just about everything, if not everything, in our world today. When, when something's going on on the news, and if you break it all the way down to its bare roots, it comes down to money. I guarantee it. Nothing was different back then. These high rollers, these religious people, were have, have turned the place of worship to a place to make money and their pockets were getting fat and they loved it they didn't care they sold those sacrifices for money and all they could hear was cha-ching cha-ching and they saw their bank accounts getting getting bigger and bigger they didn't care that they had turned the place of worship into a place of of making money. When we come back, we're going to look at the second problem. And I'll just give you this. It's a heart problem. We'll take a break. Lost my board, fifth my shins. Trash. 
So Jesus shows up in Jerusalem at the temple, and he doesn't like what he's seeing. And, and man, he, he gets some attitude now, and he goes and he overthrows the, the tables and, and frees the animals, and, and he's got a whip, and, man, he, he means business, and he's, he's cleaning house. And uh, he's upset because these people have taken his father's house, his place of worship, where they come to worship God, and they, they, they're coming to make money. Now, they're, there, they're not there to worship God. They, they want their pockets getting fatter. Um, and the second thing that, uh, that I want to point out about this is the people had a heart problem. If you remember in Exodus, when Moses was to take a lamb and sacrifice it, they had to go and, and, and this was uh, the first Passover um, in Exodus chapter 12. But they had a, uh, to, to go out and, and, and pick the best uh, lamb that they had. It had to be without flaws. And, and they had to keep it for several days and then kill it and eat some of it. And they would have to offer it to God as a, a sacrifice. Remember they had to take the, the blood and put it over the doorpost so the, the death angel would see the blood and pass over. Uh, and, and whoever's inside the house, that their lives were spared. And, and that's when the Passover started. And that's the very reason why Jesus is is at the temple because he's coming to Jerusalem to celebrate uh, the Passover, and he's cleaning house, and he sees that these people have a heart problem. Um, but this this getting these these animals ready for a sacrifice it was a process, and in this process there was getting to know the sacrifice and and then giving this sacrifice to God. Uh, people were invested, if you will, in their sacrifice. But there is no investment to just showing up at the temple and buying a sacrifice. It, it just becomes something to get done and, and to get it over with. And it becomes a heart problem. If we aren't invested in something, we usually could care less about it. Think about it. How many times have you read something about someone or something, something that's happened, and since you didn't know them, you just pass right over it without any consideration. We do it all the time. But if we're invested in something, if we have spent time and energy on it, then it becomes personal, and it means so much more to us. It reminds me of the story of the Good Samaritan. There, there lays a guy in a ditch, and he's dying. And who passes by? Well, a priest, which would be a preacher, a Levi, who's the law keeper. It's the ones who were representing God. And they, they see the guy and they do nothing to help. They, they leave him to die. They just walk on by. And a Samaritan man comes by and he sees the man who, who is a Jew. And, and Samaritans aren't supposed to have anything to do with Jews. And Jews don't have anything to do with Samaritans. They don't like each other. But this Samaritan takes this, this dying Jewish man and bandages him all up. And, and he puts him in a hotel room and says he'll pay his bill. So at this point, he is invested. But why did he get invested in the first place? Because his heart was right. His heart was in the right place. The godly, and I use that in quotations, the godly people could have cared less. Why? Because their hearts were in the right place. They were focused on what God said, Instead of doing what God said, they learned a bunch of scriptures, but their heart wasn't in it. It was something they did. It was not who they are or were. They were not invested. They went to church. They sang songs. 
They mumbled some prayers. They listened to some preaching. And they went home. And since none of that changed their heart, they, they just passed by the guy and they left him for dead. You know, there's a reason why people don't like Christians. And one of those reasons is that we're supposed to be showing Christ. We're supposed to be representatives of God, of Jesus. We're supposed to be his hands and his feet. We're all that he's got. And he's He's in us, he's living in us, and he's working through us. At least that's the way it's supposed to be. But yet, when we're supposed to be showing Christ to a lost world, but we don't because our our hearts aren't right. We're not, we're not invested, if you will. We say we love God. We say we love Jesus. We wear the Christian clothing. We have Jesus on our shirt. We have crosses around our neck and around our wrists or on our ankles, whatever kind of jewelry you wear. We we have the Christian tattoos. We, you know, we have the little fish and we have the ictus and we have just all these different kind of things that make us look Christian-y, if you will. But our but our, our life isn't changed by the gospel. Our hearts isn't changed by Jesus. And people know that. People in the world, they see that. They're, they're not fooled by that. And, and they label us as hypocrites. And they say stuff like, I don't want to go to church with a bunch of hypocrites. You know what? They're right. Many Christians fall right in line with the Pharisees. We play the church game, but our hearts aren't in it because we're not invested. In Matthew 15, 1-9, it says, Some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. But you say that if any anyone declares uh, that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. Listen to this. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Listen, Jesus is coming inside your temple and he's cleaning house. Get invested or get out. You're giving the church a bad reputation and nobody wants to follow your Jesus. They want the real deal. God knows if your heart's not right. God knows if your heart's not in it. Trust me, so do the people that are in the world. You're not fooling anybody, especially God. It reminds me of Rick Warren one time when his church uh, his church was growing so big and so fast, and and he had those books out, and people were using those books to try to grow their church, trying to take the the same path that he did. And um, I remember reading in his book, or I believe I read it in his book, or. I remember him saying it, but he would tell the people that were coming to his church, look, if you're not coming to work, then don't come. Leave your seat empty for somebody who is willing to come and work. In other words, if you're not going to be invested in helping this church grow, don't bother coming. And that's what I'm telling you today. 
If you're not willing to be invested in the kingdom of God and giving your life to Jesus Christ and allowing God to, to, to change your life and to change your heart, get out because you're giving us a bad reputation. You're making it so much harder on us because we're trying to share the gospel. We're trying to share Jesus so that people's lives will be changed. And if they too will in turn follow Christ and do what he says, and if they will share their message, their testimony, their story, so that other people will be encouraged to grind it and give their lives to Christ, and, and the cycle just keeps going. And I'm pleading with you today to get invested in Jesus Christ. Allow God to change your heart. Be real, because you're not fooling anybody. Romans 12, verses 1 through 3, Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And one thing, uh, one last thing that I want to point out as we finish John 2, and it comes from verses 23 through 25. It says, Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. Here's what I want to leave you with. If you put your trust and any other person or anything besides Jesus, you're setting yourself up to be burned and to be let down. These people loved Jesus. They couldn't get enough of Jesus. They chased him around. They wanted to make him a king. But in John 6, we see all of them turning their backs on Jesus and walking away from him. And he was so heartbroken from it. He looked at his disciples and said, Hey, you going to leave too? And Peter says, Why will we leave? You have the worst of eternal life. No, we're not leaving. We're not going anywhere. But all these people who said they loved Jesus and they wanted to make him a king, all of a sudden just turned their back on him and didn't follow him anymore. And when he came into Jerusalem for the last time riding on a donkey, the people saying, Hosanna, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And the next thing you know, by the end of the week, they're yelling, crucify him. And they rejected Jesus and put him on a cross. Listen to what the text says. Many began to trust in him, Jesus. But Jesus did not trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him anything about human nature for he knew what was in each person's heart. I've said it a million times, and I'll keep saying it. I do not trust anybody, and I have good reason not to. been burned way too many times, and I'm sure you have too. And you have a hard time trusting people. Jesus didn't trust people. He couldn't even trust his own 12 closest friends. Think about this. They slept when, they ne when he needed them the most in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's out there pouring out his soul to God and his sweat becomes drops of blood. He's in such agony, but yet they're over there, they're over there snoring. They're sleeping away. One of them sold him for money and had him murdered. And then the other 11 deserted him while he hung on the cross. 
Psalm 37, 3-5 says this, Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and He will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him and He will help you. Everybody that has ever told me the words, I love you, have hurt me in some way, in some fashion, in some form of another. And I'm sure you can say the same thing. We can probably all say this, say that. But God will not hurt you. His love is totally on a different level than man's. Hey, we're selfish. People are selfish as can be, but God is selfless. We love with conditions. We make a list of conditions, and you got to meet this condition or I'm not going to love you. I remember being a kid, and, and, and my brother and my sister would do something to hurt my feelings, or my mom, or whoever, or my friend, or whatever, and I, I don't like you anymore. I don't love you anymore, because you hurt my feelings. See, we, we love with conditions, but God's love is unconditional. Who are you going to trust? I hope your answer is God. And I pray that you will follow Him, that you will be obedient. And when a life challenge comes your way, just grind it. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Grind It Podcast today. You can send any questions or comments to grinditpodcast at gmail.com. Please join us next time, and when a challenge comes your way, just oh grind it. Been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle paid the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life, yeah. all my life.